Good evening and welcome to Transatlantic History Ramblings from Lauren and Brian. I know it felt like this day would never come, but we are back. I'm Lauren from Swansea in the United Kingdom and with me, as always, is... Uh, It's Brian Buffalo, but uh, I don't think we should be talking. What? Yeah, I I think we're supposed to be enemies right now. Are we? Yeah. World Cup starts. What's game one? Oh, I, I'm kind of ignoring the um, World Cup because it's happening in, in an atrocious country with such human rights violations. Yeah, fuck Qatar. And, I'm all about that. But did you see what game one is? is? He, he, yes, I did. But it's okay. It's all right. If we win, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> It's just we we never get to the World Cup, so we're just like we're just we're just there having fun. Don't worry about it. But yes, of course, this is Brian in Buffalo, and I love you, Lauren. Even though we're going to kick your heinies in the World Cup, that's right. Game one of the World Cup, the U.S. of A. plays Wales. Yeah. Well, do you want to tell the good people of transatlantic history rambling world why we've not been on for like? Over a month. <laughs> yeah, well, one day I get a message from Lauren that says, I am so sick of those people that listen to this show, <gasps> and I hate them all so much, and I just That's want to ignore nice. No? We oh, you mean the other reason. Yeah, we both got COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> yeah, Lauren never said bad things about you. We literally got COVID, I think, one day apart, even yeah. though there's an ocean that divides us. Well, I'm just, I am very bitter about getting COVID. Not because I had COVID. I was very lucky. It was very mild. It was more like a flu. And I did mistake it for the flu, even though I, I did one test and I must have been too gentle with it. Um, when when you do the test, you do it up your nose. I must have been really gentle with it because I was really having problems with my sinuses. And it came back negative. But then my mum my was like, oh, that cough isn't going away. Do another one. And I did it and it came back positive. I'm just bitter. Because I dodged it for two and a half years. And I was doing some pretty risky things because I was going, first of all, my sister was a trainee nurse and she was going into hospitals at the height of the pandemic. And I was I was living with her and looking after the boys and I never really thought about it. And then I was going to London to do research for my master's and... I never I, I never really thought about catching it and I never did catch it when I was there. I caught it going back and forward to work and I only go into the office two days a week. <laughs> oh, crazy. Yeah, I um I you were a little luckier than me. I got a bit more severe of a case than you did. Uh it knocked me on my ass for a couple of weeks and I'm still feeling the effects of it. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, and I'm double vexed, double boosted, and I don't care if this is a political comment, people. If you're not vexed, go and get vexed. Get double vaxxed, get boosted, even double vaxxed and boosted. This was the sickest I've ever felt in my life. And I know some people could say, well, see, if you weren't vaxxed, you wouldn't have gotten it. No, if I wasn't vaxxed, I'd be fucking dead. So yeah. it's bad. I um, I think I'm due for my booster somewhere along the line. They invite you to have your boosters here because it's all free because we've got the national health. So I just get called when it's my turn. And, but I'm just bitter because I caught it because I dodged it for two and a half years. I, however, also uh, did not test negative because unlike you, I wasn't too gentle. As an experienced nose picker, 
I'm pretty good at swabbing the nostril. Uh, no, I tell my my sinuses. It felt like there was a like there was a hot pin in my sinuses. Should we do a show about my favorite kind of boogers? No, <laughs> please do not. I will not be on that show. That's awful. <laughs> do not. All right, but not. all oh, joking aside, child. All joking aside, you know why we got sick? No. I think it's because of the topic of tonight's show. Something we had uh, talked about. Yeah, on I, the no, show I, before. I, I, I think we. I, I, to be quite honest with you, I think at this point we really do need to be upfront about the topic of this show because I think people need to make an informed decision as to whether they continue to listen. So well, I listen think- to the ramblings, unless you're offended by my potty mouth. Um, yes, but I think if we just, um, I, I don't know, we weren't disrespectful to Robert the doll. So I don't think we, I don't think that's how he got COVID. Well, see, you just, you just told them what it's about. That's right, people. I'm, Robert yeah. the Haunted Doll of Florida so, fame. Just, just to give you a bit of insight about how we do the, how we do the podcast is we record the interview first and then we do the podcast and um, it's been quite, it's been a few days now. It's been nearly a week since we recorded the podcast. And it's been a good week. Nothing's bad's happened. Uh, we were very respectful. We, um, um, you know, we were, we chose the right guests to talk about this topic too. But we completely understand if you want to skip this um, episode and not listen. But. Because yeah, Robert does freak out a lot of people. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's from the lack of knowing his story and that's what we try to dispel because, um, if anybody in the UK has Discovery Plus over Halloween and through the month of October, they did, uh, Ghost-tober, which, um, they promoted several paranormal, um, documentaries and we got a lot of the documentaries that were put on America Discovery Plus last year we got them this year so we're essentially about a year behind unless it's something like Ghost Adventures or something like that we're always about a year behind and Robert Dole documentary was there and it was such a lovely documentary and the story that they tell there is fascinating and I think it needs to be told because he's not somebody you should be frightened of no i learned about robert many moons ago from one of my favorite people on the entire planet my dear friend jamie who i know listens to the show so hi jamie this episode's all your fault it's all my fault (laughs) well jamie one time she called me up just dude have you ever heard of robert the doll and i'm like no uh should I? I don't play with dolls. She's like, dude, check it out. It's the creepiest thing in the world. I want one. Which is, that's Jamie in a nutshell. The creepiest thing in the world. I want one. And uh, I went down a serious Robert rabbit hole. And it, we, we joked about it for, for years. Me and Jamie, to this day, when something messed up happens, we we say to each other, Robert did it. Um, probably not a good thing. <laughs> no. I mean, he would be upset that you would do that. Well, I, I, I'll tell you all now, um, we got uh, the great David Salone, who is uh, probably the world's leading expert on Robert, and he's an author and a historian, and 
he's been in all these documentaries about him, and he really goes into detail about the story of Robert and what Robert is and what Robert represents. But again, I will warn people out there, if you're superstitious and you feel even listening about Robert can get uh, bad juju on you or you're frightened of things like this, because it is kind of dark at times. It is kind of a spooky episode. Uh, would have been our Halloween episode if, uh, you know, we didn't get the COVID. The vid. The vid. Um, you might not want to listen to the interview itself, but listen to the ramblings because the ramblings are wonderful. Um, I, I think that they, I think we are very respectful in the episode. We don't do anything that would, um, necessarily upset anybody. Um, and it's a lot of myth busting really around the topic and also, um, you know, getting people to see, um, Robert in in another light. Mythbusters is a trademark show and in no way associated with trends of industry rambling. Um, so yeah, uh, it was a, it was lovely to have him on, uh, and we hope you do decide to stick around and listen, because, uh, um, the lovely thing is, is that, um, he was going back to te- to tell Robert all about the fact that he'd been on a podcast. Yes, so Robert knows. Yeah. Robert knows. And not only does Robert know, Robert's known for almost a week, and like Lauren said, everything's been, you know, hunky-dory. Yeah. Do you think it'd be disrespectful of Robert if I tell a doll joke? Um, yeah. You just don't like my jokes, Lauren. Do you like them because they're just like, quote-unquote, dad jokes? Um, I I don't know. I I just don't know. Does the doll come off worse in the joke? Um, I don't know. I could tell an adult joke for once if you'd like. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Because Robert about, might be listening, and, and as 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 was discussed, um, I think Robert would find spirit. this one funny. I, I don't ladies know. And gentlemen, it's a little girl. It's a little girl. I, you know, well, she's going to be listening. Well, she'll. Oh the, no! Cover her ears, because this is my first adult joke of the show. Ready? Well, I mean, I say some adult things, but here's my first adult joke. I tried to stop him. Everybody's Lauren? Doing that. Lauren? Yeah. Lauren? Yeah. Why can't Barbie get pregnant? I don't know. Because Ken comes in a separate box. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but in all seriousness, you know what dolls I hate? Cabbage Patch dolls? Well, fuck them, too. But I really hate Russian dolls because they're so full of themselves. <laughs> I love it. Oh, haven't they had haven't they had bad hurricanes in Florida? They have, but Robert's fine. Um, he's in Key West, you know, home of Jimmy Buffett. But but he's fine. Speaking, you know, we mentioned Halloween earlier, Lauren. And I, I had posted a picture on the Facebook, um, not on the show's Facebook page, but on my own Facebook page of my, my dear little sweet kitten Billy Van's Halloween costume. Oh, yes. He, he did. He did a homage to Robert. He did. He dressed like Robert in a little sailor suit. But uh, apparently people didn't like that. And I found out a lot of people don't like people dressing up their cats. Oh, well, as, long as, as long as you didn't like 
hurt the cat or drug the cat to get the clothes on them, I think it should be all right. Now, what about you, Lauren? Do you ever dress your dogs up? We they have coats, but their coats not like funny coats. They are they are to keep them warm and dry. But no, we do. She my dog does have a jumper because she's elderly now and has trouble regulating her body temperature, which can result in fitting. So she does have a jumper that she wears. Well, you want you want to see something absolutely adorable, and of course, this is not a licensed sponsor of the show. We are not getting money or anything from this, but. I was out uh, recently after the COVID. My brother and I met this wonderful woman and uh, her mother and their daughter, who was about two years old, who seemed to think Kevin was the most fascinating person in the world. Then she'd look at me and give me the stink eye. And then she'd look back at Kevin all smiley and flirty. Well, just just remember, when Theo first met you, he was convinced you were Santa. That's true. But this wonderful woman and she uh we were talking about what we did and we were talking about the show a little bit she informed me that she runs a website and if you've got your computer open lauren why don't you look this up right now yeah it's all one word your royal harness.com and i swear it's not a porn site harness your y-o-u-r royal harness okay it's dog clothes. Yes, dog clothes. Adorable dog clothes. And and anybody, if you if you're one of those people that likes to dress your pets like I do, apparently. Oh you know, no, actually, they're not like they're not. Are they actually quite sensible clothes for dogs? Yeah, yourroyalharness.com. Fantastic website with all these like adorable and practical clothes for dogs. And I asked her, I said, well, where's the clothes for cats? She goes, well, get the dog ones in smaller sizes, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Oh, they got a T-Rex hoodie. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, great site. And like I said, we're not we're not sponsored by them. I'm not taking any money or anything. It's just a product I came across that I loved. And um, I said, I'm going to. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna share that on the air. She didn't believe I would, but I said, "Well, listen to the show because you know I always like new listeners too." But listen to the show. We're gonna we're gonna promote your uh-huh. website because that is adorable. Also, happen to deliver to the UK? Probably because- not now because shipping rates are so high. No, 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 no. Um, I think it's one of those. Yes, yeah, coming up with UK prices. Oh well, they they are in Canada. Because what because what some people do is like they'll do the designs and then they'll use like an intermediary to print them but the the people that print them have factories in lots of different countries i don't know all i know is that they got uk prices they ship to the uk they're canadian company we were joking that your royal harness does sound like it could be a porn site she said there was one that was remarkably similar be careful so be sure to use Y O U R R O Y A L H A R N E S S, your royal harness for doggy clothes, and they're adorable. What do you think? You gonna buy some clothes? I oh see now oh I don't know if I can because like you said it's very hit and miss now to buy things from America. But you would, wouldn't you? I would. Yeah. Oh, so what else has been going on? It's been a month. I know. 
I mean, most of the time I was in bed crying or, you know, going, please, I wish I had the bathroom, buddy, because being so sick, nothing is easy in the bathroom. Oh, don't talk about the bathroom, buddy. I've had a month away from that now. I missed that Halloween episode because normally we do something fun with Kurt and our friends, and we didn't because we were ill. I did talk to Kurt, and uh, and Kurt, uh, you know, is he's very excited about the Robert episode. So he he's he was making sure we're both doing okay. Oh, oh yeah, you know, I have I have another shout out we have to do. Oh, do we? Yes. Happy birthday, Jeremy King. Oh yes, I did see that. Happy happy birthday to the one and only Snuggle Pillow. Oh, now, come on now. You have to get a snuggle pillow with Robert now, too. I don't know if Robert would want to be on a snuggle pillow. No, no. no I, I don't think he'd want that. Bless him. So, oh. I, I discovered something about being really sick with a kitten. It's impossible. They don't give two fucks. No, they do not. Cleo's like, oh, daddy's sick. I better, maybe I'll, I'll lay next to his legs and, and like, you know. Cuddle him and make him feel better. Billy's like, get up, get up, get up, get up. I'm going to jump on your chest. Get up, get up, get up. I'm going to run across your face. Get up, get up, get up. Aww. Listen to you what? sniffling still. Either that or you're doing massive amounts of cocaine on the air, Lauren, and I'm against it. No, no, no. I think I've got a cold. It got cold in Buffalo. Holy poop, we have snow. Lauren's like, I got snow here. I'm doing lines of. Oi, no, I am not. <laughs> Brian, no. Public no. service announcement, ladies and gentlemen, don't do cocaine on the <laughs> Lauren is not doing cocaine. No, I wouldn't do that. not nice. So, have we had any emails in our absence? Uh, we have a lot, actually. Um, we had quite a few, especially after we actually put the statement out on Facebook. And uh, a lot of get well messages. A uh, few people saying, suck it up and do the show. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jeremy sent one of those. Today. Yeah, man up, <laughs> do the show. Stop being such a wimp. He told me. And I well, said, oh, what are you doing? He says, laying in bed because my foot still hurts. Aww. Oh, my yeah. gosh, that's going on for ages now because that was August. That yeah, that surgery. Oh. Um, he'll be coming back on the show anytime, he said. Really? So Which is any, to say, can I come on your show? <laughs> any other nice messages that we had, apart from just get on with it? Uh, most, actually, the majority of them were very nice. And then we had a few messages from people who um showing an interest in coming on the show. Really? Yeah, that, that should be interesting. Trying to get some dates and times and things set. Um, you don't say names. Well, most of them are guests that we've had on before that are like, oh, I'm going to be promoting this soon and like to come on and, you know, so it's old friends. Oh, Billy's trying to eat cords now. Billy's a bad kid. No, he's not. You know, but we'll take him from you and and look after him better than you can because he does like cats. Who will do that? Robert. Robert. Yeah. Yeah. But Billy's got pica, so he might eat Robert. No, he wouldn't do that. He's got pipe. Took the air conditioner out the window because, you know, it's snowing now, and that's what you do in Buffalo. 
And then, of course, Billy realized, oh, look, a windowsill I could sit on and watch things go by and watch birds, because that's what kittens do. And then Billy's like, oh, look, a whole line of windowsill that I haven't seen before. I'm going to gnaw on it. Sarah has gone through three pairs of shoelaces because Billy eats them. I don't know how many switch power cables Sarah has gone through. He will grow out of it. Huh? He'll grow out of it. She's on her fifth switch power cable. He is he has eaten my um, work computer adapter. Shouldn't say that on the air because I got a new one from work because there was an accident. Didn't tell him it was a kitten accident. Um, but you know what? Oh well, it's out for the world to hear now. Sorry. Um, he's eaten. Yeah, Billy's got pica. Do you think? Uh, do you think he'll ever poop all this stuff out in like one big giant pile like that episode of South Park where they pooped oh. Bono? No, I don't know. Oh, Sarah's telling me he puked up her shoelace. That's lovely. Sure you want a kitten, Lauren? Yeah. Not only that, their poop stinks really bad. Well, I've got a dog, so I'm all right for animals. My dog's good. Oh, yeah, and Billy's also the mad farter of Buffalo. Cat farts nonstop. He's like a Mel Brooks fireside bean-eating scene. But he does purr a lot and cuddles. So we forgive him. Yeah, he'll grow out of it, and then you'll miss the crazy kitten phase. Yeah, and I just realized we've been talking about, like, kitten pooping farts for a while, so why don't you uh, clear your throat and uh, give us a good today in history? Okay. Today in history. <laughs> uh, that was okay for, for post-COVID. Thank you. Sounds like a cereal, doesn't it? Post-COVID. Oh, yeah. Like a healthy, grown-up cereal. Yeah, like the, like grape nuts, which has always made me laugh when I was a kid. <laughs> You're eating nuts. So, I'm going to go first. <laughs> so, on the 15th of November, 1777, Articles of the Confederation, the first constitution of the United States, is approved by the Continental Congress. I love how you brought it right back to, like, being serious. Yeah. I also love when I hear foreigners talk about Continental Congress. Continental Congress. <laughs> because in America, we say things like, that's a constitutional right. Yeah. I, I, I am, you know me, I love my country, I love America, plus I'm such a Buffalo homeboy, it's ridiculous, but I, I, I've noticed that, for the most part, foreigners especially, really look up to and respect our Constitution far more than we do in this country. And that makes me sad. I think it's the um, the hope that was behind it. Yeah, and too many people in this country lost sight of that and what it means, and they think it just means all of, it's all about them and what they like, and the other side is bad. So if we don't like it, then it's bad. Um. And... You people see it for what it is, and it, it is a remarkable document. This country was founded, and it's so different than any other nation on the planet. Well, you see, the thing is is, is that the Bill of Rights and yes. the Constitution was based on Magna Carta. Based and, on? Yes. Based on Magna Carta, so which didn't quite work here. No. But it works in America. So where? So the fascination for me is seeing something that we took to try and create a stable, 
um, fairer country because the king at the time was very greedy and liked to cause trouble. And you took the foundation of that, the foundation that we started, and based your whole country on that. So we're seeing something that we tried to do that didn't quite work, and we see it in action working in the way that it's meant to. Sadly, in this country, we see it as this wonderful ideal that has worked for this long and it is starting to collapse in on itself. But then, Because half the country doesn't care about it anymore. But then again, you know, we had that. I, I take you back to the fact that you're still in the in the grand scheme of things, a young country. Yeah, but if it fails, it fails, and it's over. We had that, and then you know we had to move on again from it. You know, the whole arguments with religion. We've had those arguments here. We've seen them end. We've seen what can happen. We can see the violence they caused and the death that they caused. Um, you know, we hope that it doesn't get like that. No, but you know what happened? America came out and said, fuck you to all that. Yeah. And all those crazed, radical, election-denying lunatics all lost their elections, even when they were heavily favored to win by the polls. Yeah. People came out and said, you know what? It's not perfect, but we love it. And we want to keep our freedoms and we want to keep our rights. So that's why we're fascinated by it is because we tried it. You know, we we are the for lack of a better word, because I can't think of one right now, the architect of this system. And it didn't work for us, but we see it working, and it's a fascinating insight into that. Do you know why it fascinates me so much? Why? When when you see the pictures and the renditions of the people who wrote it, they're all wearing them funky pantaloons. (laughs) And anybody who wore those funky pantaloons that wrote such great things, I admire that. But No, actually... I have to say, when I was writing my dissertation, and because we don't have, like now, our law system, what we still have echoes of the medieval system in our law, and that will never change because it is literally the bedrock of our legal system. But when you look at the Wild West, when you're looking at the West, you know, that does have echoes of, you know, this, you know, the sheriffs and everything like that. It was very helpful to try, you know, to have a living picture of it, so to speak. And the gin fizzies. Yeah, they got me through as well. Yeah, they got me through my dissertation. All right, you ready for my day in history? Yes. Now I'm going to feel like a total dope because, you know, Lauren puts together this fantastic, you know, groundbreaking, world-changing day in history. Uh, my day in history is uh, November the 15th, 1904, King Gillette patents the razor blade. Kind of kind of a dick day now, huh? Important. Well, it's important because, A, you know, we have beards, and the razor blade is much better than, like, you know, the broken piece of glass that people were using before. But I want to do, double down on my day in history. Because I had no idea Gillette's name was King. Did you? No, I didn't. I think there's yeah. even a there's even a razor called King in the Gillette series, I think. Yeah, and you don't see many people named King anymore. So I'm going to go from one king to another. 
because today in history, November 15th, 1956, Love Me Tender, the first film featuring the king, Elvis, premiered in theaters. The king. Not an Elvis fan, are you, Lauren? Um, not really. Yeah, figured as much. Uh, on that note, go USA over Wales. Going to yes. kick your heinies. I think it's about time that uh, we give one last warning to people that if you are freaked out by Robert or Tales of the Strange and Paranormal, now is the time to turn the show off. I don't advise it. I think you should listen because it's wonderful. And David Sloan is an excellent guest. And, and he gives uh, a different perspective on this fascinating haunted object. And I think, you know, even if you, there is nothing to be scared of in this episode, uh, we are very respectful. David explains that everything is okay. And as long as we are respectful, that nothing is going to happen. And so far, Robert knows he's been on a pod, he's been talked about on a podcast and we're good. Yeah, we're good a lot. So why don't I fire up the magic interview box? Absolutely. It's the magic interview box. This has been this is a super important podcast for us because it does break a lot of myths about something that is not only a fantastic historical object because you'll hear the history of it, but also it gives you a new perspective and maybe, you know, that we don't judge objects by what the press and what the newspapers say, but we look, we, you know, get to know them in a way. Yeah. And, and everyone who listens to the show knows that I'm the skeptic that I don't believe in anything, but, uh, Hey, you never know. So, uh, always treat Robert with respect. Absolutely. So why don't you flip the switch, Lauren? Lauren, here we go. Yes. We've, we've got this far, so we must have, permission to talk about our topic tonight well we're gonna find out because you know uh it's a little bit past halloween people so don't panic yeah we both had covid that's why (laughs) we both had covid that's why we missed halloween i think robert had something to do with that yes the last episode we did mention robert but we did ask his permission to talk about him and we said we 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 meant everything we said respect and then we both came down with covid yeah, and so I said, we're doing a show on this. And who better to talk about the infamous Robert the Dow than Mr. David Salone, the man who literally, literally wrote the book on Robert. For those in our audience who aren't familiar with the legend of Robert, we're going to tell all the details about this most um, fascinating and somewhat frightening of all the possessed toys, I guess you could say, even though I don't like to use the word possessed. I think but David is the author, a uh, historian, and I, I, I like to call him Robert's caretaker. So before we begin, David, does Robert give us permission to discuss him on the air? So that's one of the things we should clear up. That's probably the, the most dangerous legend about Robert the Doll is that uh, you should ask permission. Um, it, you know, it's a human created legend. And it stemmed from him messing with cameras. And then a human says, oh, you know, um, he's messing with the cameras. He must not like his photo being taken. And then somebody, another human says, well, we better ask his permission. And over the course of a quarter century, that evolved into you better ask his permission or he's going to curse you. The fact is, when you're dealing with 
when you're dealing with these unknown entities. Oh, I hear the hounds of the Baskerville. I think, uh, I think, think, uh, I think Robert's upset the hounds. Yeah. Um, Robert has released the hounds. <laughs> so when, when you're dealing with these unknown entities, it's a terrible idea to ask permission. Um, you know, because you're basically inviting them in, you're you're eliminating that even playing field. You're making yourself subservient to them. So I tell people, do not ask permission from Robert the Doll. Be respectful. It's people who are disrespectful who end up going through hell. And if you think about it, the people who go up there who believe you're supposed to ask permission and don't, they're being disrespectful. That's what's being picked up on. Well, I am not going to be disrespectful to Robert. Yeah. Um, first off, he, he's it's Veterans Day when we're recording this, and he is in a sailor suit, so technically Robert comes across as a veteran. Yeah, and he's uh, he's living in a Civil War fort uh, where he a lot is. of soldiers died from yellow fever. So there's uh, there's a lot uh, there's a lot of that energy around the doll. So Lauren is so fascinated with with Robert, and yeah. I know that. You teased us that there's a connection to whales. But before we get into that to spook Lauren out even more, give us a little background. And I like to call Key West's most famous resident outside of Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, so Robert the Doll originated right around 1904. And for a long time, nobody knew where he was from. Uh, I was able to discover that he was a Steiff doll. Um, he was made in Germany by the same company that invented the teddy bear. And he was given to a Key West boy named Robert Eugene Otto. If you look at the last name there, Otto, his grandfather had emigrated from Germany or Prussia. So the family had ties there and they used to go back and visit. We believe that his mother and father went back, uh, picked up the doll when they were visiting family and brought it back and gave it to him for his fourth birthday. And he became obsessed with the doll, gave it his own name, went by his middle name for the rest of his life. And whenever he got in trouble, he'd say, I didn't do it. Robert did it. Blaming the doll. And things just spiraled out of control from there. Yeah, and, you know, with Gene, uh, one of the things people think is that, he, you know, he took the doll with him everywhere he went. But the fact is, he went off to college. He went off to see the world. And he traveled to Europe. Uh, he was over there. He was in France. That's when he met his wife. Uh, and then they got married. You know, they came back, lived in New York for a while. They moved back to Key West in 1945. And that's when his mother was sick uh, and she died and they decided to start a new life in Key West. And that's when Anne met the doll. And the way the story goes is Jean called her down to a studio and said, hey, I want you to meet my best friend from growing up. This is Robert the doll. Now, he actually called him the doll. Well, he, he might have just said this is Robert. Uh, you know, the stories change as they're passed down. Uh, and this this was 1945. So you're getting the stories secondhand. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who did know them. I talked to the guy who bought the house from Ann Otto. And, you know, he he said he wished he burned that doll. <laughs> I asked him, I said, so was the doll in the house when you bought it? He said, oh, yeah, Robert was sitting in a little toy box in Jean's old bedroom. And. I said, did Ann say anything about it? She said, she, he said, yeah. I asked her, I said, does Robert come with the house? And she said, I hate that effing doll. It was Gene's best friend. Of course, he never could make any friends of his own. So 
she said she hated the doll, but yet she still had it. Yeah, yeah. I just think she kept it. I think it was part of the house. It was part of Gene. You know, he had passed away, and she started getting the ready. The she started getting the house ready for sale right after that. Uh, and then she moved up to Boston with her sister. Gene wrote Anne out of the will. He died from complications associated with Parkinson's disease. He spent his last 10 years up in the turret room of the house, locked in there with Robert the doll. And I talked to his niece, and she said uh, that Anne couldn't stand going up and down those stairs and that Gene just stayed up there, just him and Robert. And when he died, she was devastated because he wrote her out of the will, you know, not so much because of his death. She had given up her life for him. You know, she, would, she had been an accomplished pianist and she gave up her career so she could be the artist's wife and support him. And then to be written out of the will, it meant she couldn't afford to live in her own house. Um, he left her the house, but none of the contents. So all of the valuable paintings and antiques went to his sister. Uh, and she sold the house for $50,000 and moved with her sister in Boston, died of pancreatic cancer a few years later. So, so, so far, I mean, to, to, to anybody listening, it just seems like here's this eccentric artist who had this doll from childhood that, you know, probably a little bit flaky, probably somewhere on the spectrum, didn't know how to make friends, so his only friend was the doll, and he kept it his whole life. But obviously there's a lot more to the legend of Robert that makes him so famous and to be on display still. Um, give us the, the, the origins of the supernatural uh, mischief of Robert. Stories started circulating town in the 1950s, but the legends were around before that. So you go back to Gene's childhood uh, and, you know, he blamed things on the doll. One of the stories says that he used to push the servants into the closet and he'd slam the door behind them and, and hold the door. And when confronted with that abuse, he'd say, I didn't do it. Robert did it. Uh, you know, there's stories about him screaming at night and the parents coming in and, and seeing just him and Robert. Uh, and then in the 1950s, the stories really spread because Robert would sit in the window of the turret room when Jean was painting, and conch kids would walk across the street. Conchs are it's the term for natives of Key West. They'd walk across the street and look up, and they'd see Robert in the window moving around all on his own while Jean just sat there painting away. Um, so 1950s is when stories really start going around saying, wow, there's something going on in that house. And then it's just legends and stories amongst the conks up until Gene passed away. So the house sells and Myrtle Reuter ended up purchasing it. And she found Robert sitting in the cedar chest in the house. And she felt that Robert was like a little child. So she started treating him like a child. And all of those kids who saw Robert moving in the window started knocking on her door and saying, can we go see the doll? Can we go see the doll? She said, yeah, you can go see the doll. And they'd go up there to that room. And minutes later, they'd be back down and say, your doll is alive. I saw the doll move. There was a plumber and the plumber's doing some work up in the attic. He heard giggling behind him. He turns around. He saw Robert moving from one side of the room to the other. And there's so many stories like this that a newspaper guy says, no, this can't be true. I'm going to do a story. And he described going up there and the doll 
looked like an inanimate object. And then somebody suggested, they said, Gene Otto was a crazy man for playing with that doll. And then, boom, Robert comes alive. Beads on his lap are said to have flown across the room, slammed into the wall. Um, Everybody gets the hell out of there. (laughs) And the stories just kept circulating and circulating and circulating. And then uh, around 1980, a newspaper article ran, and it said Key West's haunted dolls disappeared. Nobody knew where he went except Myrtle Reuter. She sold the house, took the doll with her. So it kind of sounds like Robert's, no disrespect, man, just kind of mischievous. Mischievous, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what's going on with Robert, what makes him tick. How do you explain these different things happening? I always thought there was one entity within Robert. And I was very fortunate. I came across uh, the Otto family archives and was a librarian. And in the back of the library in their vault, there were about four boxes of her family history. And it had plenty of letters that pieced together the story of Robert. And uh, one of the oldest legends about Robert is that he was created by an angry servant or an angry nanny. So we know he's a stife, but because that one was so prevalent, I figured there had to be an element of truth and I did some digging and found Emmeline Abbott, who was a servant for the Ottos. Her and her husband both were, and she was a nanny. And uh, in the 1920s, I found a newspaper article where she filed a lawsuit against the estate of Dr. Thomas Otto, Jean's father. So she was the angry nanny. And in the 1900 census, she has no children. 1910, she shows no children living, one child dead. So during that time that Robert the doll arrived, she lost a kid. She would have gone to the doctor she worked for when her kid was injured or dying. And I believe that child died and entered Robert the doll. That's one of the confusing things. I mean, there's legends that say it was given to him by a grandfather. And other people say it was given to him by a nanny. Now you're saying the grandfather might have given him the doll, but the nanny put the spirit into the doll? Yeah, so the grandfather has nothing to do with it. The grandfather was dead by the time the doll was created. So so that that one's completely false. Um, But uh, the parents would have purchased it in Germany. There's records of them exchanging gifts with the family. And we show Jean's mother traveling to uh, to Germany in 1904. So uh, that's pretty cut and dried that the doll is a stife made in Germany with the nanny. uh, Yeah, she was the angry nanny. We proved that much. And we have the evidence in the census records that she lost a child. Um, So a lot of people, you go back even to some of the accounts written about in the 1980s or the 1970s, there's stories about a little girl, a little black girl haunting the artist house, sitting on the steps. She's a little sad. I believe that this is the spirit that's in Robert the doll. It was interesting when the psychic came with the Discovery Channel, she picked up on a lot of these things, too. And I'll tell you this, she came in blind. You know, she came right from the airport. She didn't know where she was being taken. And she came in and started going around the house and she picked up on the smell of antiseptics and she picked up on a child. And she took my theory even further. She said that the mother was so upset about losing the child that she blamed the doctor. So she sought out a voodoo practitioner and had this curse placed on the doll. So I believe that there's the child spirit who's the true spirit of Robert the doll, a little girl. And then. There's this portal that was placed on the doll through
through some type of voodoo, probably a Santeria spell. And through that portal, there's multiple spirits. And when people are disrespectful, you have to realize this child spirit is over 100 years old now, so it's not completely a child. Uh, but when its feelings are hurt or someone disrespects them, it's as if they have this sticky tar on their fingers and they'll kind of tag the, offend, the offending person. And uh, then the other spirits within that portal come out and lock onto them and follow them home and make their lives hell. So it's not like there's just one entity that's causing people uh, all these problems. There's there's an unlimited number. Um, do we have any ideas or theories as to who the other spirits may be that are attached to Robert the Doll and why they would be attached? Would it is it all connected to the to to the to the spell that was put on the doll? Uh, is it sort of targeting certain types of people to draw it in? The we believe it's related to the spell and that, that there's the portal. What I think it is, I I believe that it's entities that thrive on negativity. You know, because a lot of people go up to see Robert and they go up with the idea that it's an evil doll. You know, they don't want an innocent child. They go up, they want Chucky. Um, so, you know, they want the doll that mutilated stuffed animals and suffocated a 10-year-old girl. When they want that, that's what they get. You know, spirits will go where the energy is. So there's these spirits that thrive on the ne negative energy. I had a psychic. She described two of them. She described them as these eight-foot-tall creatures. I mean, really tall. We've captured them in some photos in, in the fort. Uh, they're, they're not pleasant. Those are the two main ones that people encounter. And I don't know if they recruit the other ones or others just fill in. But there can be, who knows, dozens, hundreds of people experiencing Robert's curse at the same time. And it's interesting because there's a filmmaker from Wales who did some unauthorized movies about Robert the Doll. I think there are four of them. And, you know, there'd be movies. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but they were unauthorized. The, the museum that owns Robert, the Key West Art and Historical Society, you know, they have their trademarks on Robert and, and things like that. Um, and so really, you don't need to ask Robert permission. You need to ask the Art and Historical Society. He didn't do any of that. And it's really tragic. About a year ago, he was struck with what they were calling a mystery illness. Doctors couldn't figure it out. They eventually found out it's some very rare disease. Uh, it got to the point where he was incapacitated. He could not get out of his bed. And then he was being evicted, last I read. Uh, and they couldn't afford an ambulance to move him. And he couldn't move on his own. And they did a, uh, you know, a fundraiser, the, a, a GoFundMe of some sort. And they didn't even reach 25% of the goal. So his life has gone to absolute hell. And I can't help but think that Robert the Doll is involved in that. Well, that's interesting because I've seen all four of those unauthorized Robert movies. I'm a weird B-horror movie buff, too. I love these things. And the Robert ones aren't even good. Well, actually, the third one is pretty good. The first, second, and fourth, not so much. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them, but I read about what happened to him, and it's it's just tragic. And, you know, you see this kind of stuff happening all the time. Um, when the producer of the most recent documentary for Discovery Plus, that one's called um, Shock Docs, The Curse of Robert the Doll, um, when the producer first started inquiring about it, 
he had his roof come in and a lot of water flooded out his house. Um, there, there are things that will happen. Robert lets people know who's in control. Now, you wrote the book, and I'm, not, I'm talking literally and figuratively about Robert. What kind of rapport you got with Robert? It's really good now. It wasn't always that way. I started telling the story about Robert before he was on display. When I moved to Key West, it was 1996, and there were only one or two ghost tours in the United States. I had seen one in Scotland, and I said, whoa, that's what I want to do. So I quit my corporate job, moved to Key West, started the ghost tour. And when I went to the artist house, I, I was looking for the ghost of Ann Otto. And I told the owner, I said, hey, I'm here to talk to you about your ghost. And he said, oh, you mean Robert? I said, no, I mean, Ann. He said, no, let me tell you about Robert the doll. I said, no, I want to hear about Ann. He goes, no, you don't. And he told me about Robert. And I thought, this guy is crazy. And then he said, do you want to see where Robert lived? I said, yeah. The phone flew off the hook. This is back before cell phones. It flew off the hook, extended out all the way, and snapped back to the desk. I looked at him. He said, yeah, that happens. And then we start to walk up the stairs. The bookshelf that was there, the, the door opened up to block me from going after he had passed it. And then we go up and we go into the attic. And when we get into the attic, it filled it was still furnished with Robert's chairs and tables. It looked like this creepy kids party about to unfold. And the room filled with this negative heat energy. I thought I was going to throw up if I didn't get out of there. I thanked him very much. I left. And so Robert's at the museum, but he wasn't on display. I called the museum to see him. And for about a week, they gave me the runaround saying, no, call back when somebody else is here. Nope. No, nope, I can't do it. You want to call when this person's here? <laughs> Finally, uh, the curator uh, met me to see him. And she walked out and she's holding him in her arms. And she says, hey, Robert, this is David. He's starting something called a ghost tour. And he wants to take some pictures of you. And I look at her and I'm like, oh, my God, she's crazy. These people in Key West are crazy. And I, she sent him down the table and he looked like an inanimate object. You know, he didn't look haunted at all. And I started taking some pictures and then I wanted to take his hat off. So I leaned in and I, as soon as I went to touch the brim of his hat, boom, he came alive. And I'm telling you, his eyes changed, his face changed. You could tell there was a spirit inside that doll and i stepped back and i'm like oh my god so i grabbed the camera i'm like i have to capture this i try to take the uh three photographs that it wouldn't take wouldn't take at all i set the camera down to look at it boom 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 it fires off the three shots i pick it back up to take the picture it wouldn't do it set it back down and i swear to you as if that doll was kind of smirking and giggling at me and then boom it went back to being an inanimate object so that was my first encounter with the doll. And, you know, after that, I was like, oh, my God, this thing's insane. And I started telling people on the ghost tour, we'd stop in front of the auto home. Uh, we used to see activity up there. We'd see the, the shades being pulled back in the turret room when nobody was up there. Uh, we'd see these mysterious blue orbs that would appear on the porch and then sometimes just drop right through the floor and across the downstairs balcony. And I started telling people, you've got to go see the doll, call the museum, ask them to bring him out. And enough people started asking to see him that they put him in a little display. And today he's like the star. He's got his own room in this giant case. But he, they, originally they stuck him in a case with other Key West characters, like the Iguana Man and the Cookie Lady. And 
that's when people started going by, you know, they're just looking at displays and they'd look and they'd go, oh, my God, that doll just moved. And he started draining batteries. And back in those days, the batteries that we took around with us were in cameras and pacemakers. And he started draining both of those. So so, so now Robert's kind of doing dickish things. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, shortly after this, you know, the letters started coming in, people apologizing to Robert. Um, last count I heard was that he's close to 10,000 letters, a lot of them from people begging him to remove the curse. But not all of them are like that. It seems that children pick up on the innocent Robert. You know, children children pick up on the child's spirit there, especially children with autism. And Robert gets a lot of cards or letters saying, I love you, Robert. You're my best friend, Robert. People draw pictures of themselves holding hands with Robert. So children pick up on the good. And I think it tends to be adults that go in there looking for the evil. And, you know, there's the uncanny valley, which describes the the sense of dread that we get when an inanimate object looks a little too human. Um, and I think that plays a big role in it. You know, Robert has a lifetime of looking creepy uh, and the thought of a doll being able to do these things does fill people with dread so I, th- I think a lot of the negativity is what people have placed on it so, so what changed your robert's relationship i mean did you like slip him some money did you give him some weed or something because i know i've read that people leave him hot but you said you guys are kind of coup de la now what happened okay so i was writing the book about robert after i found all that information and i thought it would be a great thing that I was that I discovered the child that uh, I had evidence that Robert wasn't evil, and I think the dark entities around Robert did not like that one bit. And I still thought I was dealing with one entity, so I thought I was setting the record straight. Uh, and I started going through hell. Objects started moving around my house. The typical problems with lights going off and on. I started having these strong volts of electricity shooting out of my hands, and it wasn't like static shock. I'm talking strong volts of electricity that almost dislocated my shoulder. It would throw it back so much. And then objects that shouldn't be moving in their own were, it was like something was challenging me. I'd be walking the dog. These giant palm fronds were were lifted up off the ground. It would fly towards me and then drop right at my feet. Uh, I was very clearly being challenged and uh, told to stop doing what I was doing. I lost four hard drives. And, you know, after the first hard drive, you back everything up. And I had every keystroke being recorded. Um, and when I lost the got the fourth one, I sent away to have the terabyte drive sent to me. It had everything on my computer except the Robert the Doll book. <laughs> Something didn't want this out there. And I really couldn't figure out what it was. And everything culminated for me. I started being possessed by something. Imagine someone takes like this gray pizza dough and puts it over your head and that starts sinking into your head and taking control of your thoughts. Uh, I developed dual thoughts. At first, I could tell which ones were mine and which ones weren't. And then I couldn't tell them apart. And I started sleeping behind the church. I still was getting attacked. Uh, My life was hell. And I went through about six weeks of hell and I ended up getting yanked out of bed. I woke up 
being yanked upwards. And and I yelped. And there's it's not scary when it happens because your brain's really just trying to make sense of what's happening. So, you know, the fear comes in when you after you realize it. So I yelp. My wife, I, I just started dating her. And she hears me yelp and she's like, what's wrong? And I said, I'm falling out of bed. She said, well, get back in. She goes back to sleep. I said, I can't. I'm still falling. And I'm not hitting the ground. So I looked up. I was only about two or three feet from the ceiling. And I absolutely freaked. And I shouted out. I'm like, oh, God, help me. When I said that, I dropped. And I wasn't even over my bed. I was about six feet to the left of it. And I slammed the ground so hard. And I got up and I went on Facebook and, and I said, I'm dealing with an entity I can't handle and I desperately need help. Don't comment if you're not here to help me. And somebody put me in contact with a Santa Ria priest. And he came over and didn't pick up on anything at first. And then when he got to the bedroom, he said, oh, I can't deal with that on my own. And he brought five more people from a Santa Ria family down from Miami. And they didn't charge me anything they did a misa, a spiritual, it's a spirit mass. And it was probably a four or five hour ceremony. And they removed dozens of spirits that were possessing me, including those two eight foot tall creatures uh, that are with Robert. And what had been happening, you know, I believed the, the asking permission legend back then. And every time something's going wrong with the book, I'm like, hey, Robert, what's going on? Can I please do this? Can I do that? And I was just inviting spirits in every single time. Um, so as part of that ceremony, they got rid of everything and they set me up with pretty much like a door lady. I've got my protector and I was terrible at keeping spirits out myself. So she does that for me now. And so with that and in knowing that there's multiple entities around Robert, it takes away a lot of the power of the negative ones. So what's happened through the years, I feel like my goal now or my job now is protecting the child spirit. And about two years ago, I've been doing the ghost tours in Key West for a long time. About two years ago, the fort invited me to start leading the ghost hunts up there. So so we do the hunt with Robert the doll in the fort. So I'm with him just about every night. And it gives me the opportunity to share the true story and to nurture the child spirit and hopefully get that child spirit strength and take away power from the dark ones that are there. I know Lauren's got a, a question, but before we do, I have to ask the one incredibly important logical question right now. When all this shit went down, your this woman still married you? Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe she did. All right, she should be sainted. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was totally freaked out. We we just moved in together. We've been dating for a little while, but we just moved in together, and she started going through that. It was, it was a tough time period. Yeah, and I thought Sarah put up with a lot of my shit, Lauren. What do you think about that? I think yes, I think you're right. She does need to be sainted. That sounds terrifying was she being affected as well no no it was just attacking me and it's interesting because she never believed in the paranormal before that she thought it was all just nothing and then after that she's like mm-hmm and now <laughs> we'll go to the fort together and there's parts of it where she will not go alone does she go see robert 
she'll be in there with me. But she avoids him when she's alone. Do we know if there's any other human spirits that are um, haunting uh, Robert? Or is it just the little girl that's the human spirit? I think there's a lot of spirits around him. You know, there's the theory that there's the portal inside of him, which makes sense. And we don't know who all of those entities are. The ones that are with him, uh, there's the little girl. And then I've picked up on Gene Otto around there a lot, too. And it's, there's so many interesting things. You know, the fort, it's an old Civil War fort. In 1950, it was kind of up for grabs. It was slated for destruction. Gene Otto stepped in and helped save it uh, and helped convert it into a gallery and a museum. And he had some of his biggest art shows there. And yeah, that's something we left off that Gene Otto is a pretty prominent figure in the art world. He was an incredible artist. He was the first one to capture what Key West looked like in the harsh sunlight. Nobody could master the light like he could, but because he was born here, he did it. And he studied under the great masters. So he was really, really good. Very, very different. Um, and he had his big shows up at the museum. I don't, I don't think he had any idea what would happen to that museum. He wanted that museum saved. Uh, or, you know, he wanted that fort saved. And I think he'd probably, I think he's probably getting a kick knowing that, knowing that Robert the doll is fulfilling the dream that he always had of, you know, of keeping. That's the reason people go out to that fort. I mean, that, Robert the doll is the main draw out there. And I think it's very interesting that he had such a tie with it before Robert, that Robert ended up there. And then Robert is the one who got me out there. And I started diving into the Civil War history. And in doing that, I found out that my great, great, great grandfather, the guy that I'm named after, his Civil War regiment, he was Union. He was Pennsylvania 47th Volunteers. They were in charge of Key West during the Civil War. And they they helped build the fort where Robert the Doll lives. That's pretty badass. So... For me, it's this full circle with Gene. There's this circle. Robert's got this connection. And it's bigger than any of us. I I play music for Robert. And, you know, Ozzy Osbourne and Jack Osbourne were down here to visit him. I had introduced Jack to Robert the Doll when he was filming Haunted Highway. Uh, and, you know, I, we did our interview out at 40 Martello, and then he brought his dad back a few years later, and they started Ozzy and Jack's world detour with Robert. And Ozzy disrespected Robert the doll, and they bought a little Robert the doll, the same one that Lauren wants to get, and they took it on the road trip and blamed it for everything. And then Ozzy tried to blow it up in a microwave. He tried to blow it up on the beach, and... That's when things really started going south for Ozzy. Uh, you know, um, yeah. pneumonia killed him, cracked his head open, almost killed him. They did reference that in um, the Osbournes um, um, Want to Believe. They've mm -hmm. got their own show on Discovery Plus in the UK. And um, Jack brings in the little Robert the doll and Ozzy completely freaks out. And, and doesn't want it anywhere near him. Yeah, uh, and Ozzy's so sincere with that. 
There's a clip of Ozzy saying to Jack, he says, there's no such thing as ghosts. You tell somebody they're going to lose sensation in their left arm enough times, they're going to lose sensation in their left arm. And then, you know, Ozzy has the accident, um, cracks his spine, loses the use of his left arm, has to uh, cancel his world tour. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, Gene Otto, uh, Parkinson's is what took him out. And Ozzy Osbourne, man, diagnosed with Parkinson's. Um, I'm going to defend Robert here for a minute, okay, because there was a lot of years of alcohol and drug abuse with Ozzy, too. So <laughs> let's not be too quick to jump on Robert's back. I'm with you, Robert. But to be quite honest with you, it is quite aggressive trying to put somebody in a microwave knowing what a microwave can do to things. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I think I think some I think Robert's feelings would be hurt. Well, yeah, but did you ever put a microwave? Did you ever put a, a marshmallow peep in the microwave for like ten seconds, and it becomes like a giant Stay puff marshmallow band from Ghostbusters? <laughs> I know it has nothing to do with anything, Lauren, but I mean, it's. Really are you cool. trying to say, are you trying to give Robert ideas about how to, he can, like. No, and I'm not, and, and anybody listening out there, do not put a peep in the microwave because if you leave it in too long and it explodes, you will never get your microwave clean. Back to Robert. So, with, with, um, with Ozzy being there, I decided to play different music to see what Robert the Doll might respond to. And uh, I was a big Ozzy fan. And uh, so from there, I thought, OK, I won't play Ozzy for him, but I'm going to play some Motley Crue. And I started playing Motley Crue's first album and Robert seemed to love it. So for about a month, we were playing Motley Crue when we were setting up, you know, because we set up the chairs. We get out the, all the different paranormal equipment that we use to do experiments with. On Easter Sunday, 30 days after I started playing Motley Crue for Robert the Doll. I have a reservation come in and it says Vince Neil. And and I think if this was the real Vince Neil, he'd never use his real name in the reservation. I go up there that night. Sure enough, Vince Neil from Motley Crue walks up and comes on the tour. So Robert the Doll summoned Motley Crue. Well, it's a good thing he didn't summon, you know, Tommy Lee. Because there'd have been a new leaked video probably. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> How could you not play in Black Sabbath? I'm disappointed in you now. <laughs> yeah, we're playing a little, a little bit of everything for him. Uh, but more recently, we've been playing King Diamond. So <laughs> if you ever see King Diamond show up at the fort, then uh, then that should leave no doubt about Robert the Doll's power. Oh, you are a metalhead, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So I, in the documentary, they spoke about how Robert would, well, they wouldn't see him disappear from his case, but they would always see the evidence that he may have disappeared from his case. Do they have any theories about where he would go or what he was attempting to do in in those hours? With him moving around the museum, it first started when uh, he was stored in the back and employees working there swore that they saw him moving. So one of the skeptics took some chalk and made a circle around Robert the doll and said, said, yeah, if he can move, then he won't be in this chalk circle in the morning. They came in the next morning. Robert was outside of the circle. Uh, then he was in a different case than he is now. You know, the case that he's in now, it, he's tied to his chair with monofilament. 
to stop them from moving. The entire shell of the case has to be lifted off by, um, you know, by four people with suction cups. It's, it's a it's a large case and it's alarmed and he's tied up and everything's secured now. Uh, but when he was in the other case, the door slid right open. You could have opened it up and uh, given Robert a little kiss. And when he was in that case, they'd come in the morning and they'd find the door open. They'd look on the ground sometimes. And one one of the employees saw his feet were dirty and he had just been kind of cleaned up and restored. And she said, that's weird. She looks down. There were little Robert sized footprints in the dust of the fort. Um, another person who worked there would come in and there was a chair that they kept up by the front desk for the docents checking people in. She'd come in in the morning. The chair was always moved back by Robert's case and turned around facing him. Robert can't be too happy being tied down to the chair. Well, I don't know, because I don't think that Robert's really constrained by the physical doll. You know, the spirit of Robert, that's the one that comes out and moves around. Uh, the little girl, people, we use a trigger doll, a, a little Raggedy Ann doll or Annabelle doll. And I'll give that to different people on the tour each night. A lot of times the person holding that doll will have somebody touch their knee. So it's not as if the spirit has to stay inside of Robert the doll. I think the portal's in there, but we'll have crazy things coming out. And then with the doll, too, people still see Robert move. Uh, sometimes his foot will move back and forth. People say it looks like he's swallowing or that he's breathing. They see his chest moving in and out. And uh, sometimes... You know, you look at him and he looks like an inanimate object, but then he does come alive. And what I think is happening when people see that, I think it's that spirit going back into Robert or coming out of Robert. And people see that little bit of movement. And that's like, that's what creates that, oh, my God, the doll's alive. You, know, you mentioned Annabelle, and there's a whole film series about Annabelle. Uh, there's the Robert the Doll movies, obviously, the Chucky movie. Uh, how much of an impact do those films have on the people that come to visit Robert? Do you think they all have preconceived notions about Robert because of the Annabelle movies or because of Chucky? Or They do. Somebody started the legend that Robert was the inspiration for Chucky, and he's not. You know, the, there's interviews with the guy who created Chucky, and he said, you know, that he was based on, on the – my buddy doll and the cabbage patch kids blatant consumerism so uh you know but anytime there's a haunted doll robert robert is the original haunted doll you know before everybody and their sister owned a haunted doll <laughs> the only haunted doll that anybody knew about was robert uh hanging out you know even annabelle came around on the scene after robert so it makes sense that Robert is the inspiration for a lot of things when it comes to haunted dolls. But then, yeah, the Twilight Zone episodes uh, and, and things like that, you know, haunted dolls, they're a part of our culture. If you go back far enough, dolls were originally used to teach children about spirits, and they believed that they were calling the gods down into the dolls. So, you know, um, dolls being possessed by spirits, is it's it's been something – uh, you had to bring up talking Tina, didn't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still give you nightmares. So whatever you ask, bringing yeah. that up, trying to put that yeah. out of my mind for the past 40 uh -huh. years. 
No, I saw the Talking Cabbage Patch doll and she was quite scary because my I remember my dad was putting batteries in her on Christmas morning and she objected to being upside down. She knew she was upside down. Mm. And she told him off for having her upside down. All right, this is getting too freaky, Lauren. You didn't yeah. tell me you had a possessed doll. No, no, she talked. She only had batteries in her once because she was a bit creepy. Camin Tanya is her name. She's a talking cabbage patch doll. Incredibly rare. I've known Lauren for years, and every once in a while she drops these bombshells on me, literally like the bombshell found in her backyard. I've got um, a question about Robert's outfit. Was the sailor suit his original outfit? Because in the documentary, when... Um, they show Otto family giving the doll to Jean. He's in a jester's outfit and he doesn't have his, I'm not quite sure if it's a cat or a dog that he's holding. Yeah, it's a lion that he's holding, Leo the lion. And Leo the lion is not original to Robert, neither is the sailor suit. When the Stife Company created Robert, he was a clown. Uh, He was a a harlequin uh, and he was wearing uh, a pink pink and yellow uh, Harlequin outfit. So, uh, yeah. So, so as if Robert being a haunted doll wasn't creepy enough, he was also a clown. Yeah, and, yeah. Make it make it much creepier. <laughs> and the the sailor outfit that belonged to Gene Otto. You know, and, and Gene shared everything with him, um, including his outfits. And when Myrtle Reuter had Robert, she'd dress him up in the different outfits and set him under the Christmas tree or set him on the front porch. And we think it was probably Myrtle who gave him Leo the lion. You know, she figured the doll needed his own little doll to keep him company. I uh, want to know if you guys are ever tempted to put like Robert in other outfits, like maybe dress him in a little Santa suit for Christmas. Maybe, you know, I don't know, just have fun with it. If it was up for me, I'd certainly do that. The The museum, they protect Robert as an artifact. Well, so, it is. Of course, handling him as little as possible is uh, is what they do. So they keep him locked in the case, and, and they, they work to, to maintain him and, and try not to bring him out. But something cool that they're doing this year, they're going to release a little Robert doll. It's going to be like an elf on the shelf, but it's going to be a Robert did it doll. And he'll be wearing his Santa hat, and I, I'm told there's going to be a button you can push, and, and he'll say, I didn't do it. <laughs> Okay, can I please provide the voice for that? <laughs> You'd be perfect. But I, I, I do want to say, even if the legends and lore and the stories of Robert weren't there, it would be an artifact. This is a piece of art. It's a handmade doll from the turn of the 19th to 20th century. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those themselves are pretty rare, especially in the condition he's in. Yeah, and one of the interesting things about Robert uh, the look on his face, he looks so different than uh, than any doll like that because he had termites and the termites ate into his face. Um, so, you know, he's covered with felt and he's stuffed with something called Excelsior, which is this tightly spun wood wool. So the termites love that and that's why they ate into him. But the size of Robert is very rare. When I talked to the Stife experts, they said he was probably created in the image of someone, and he was also made to sell smaller versions of himself where he might have been in the display window at FAO Schwartz. Uh, and so kids would see the big one and say, oh, I want to get one of the little ones. Um, but he's, he's certainly a rarity. I've come across two that are similar to him. 
in size. Are um, they in as good condition? Better. Ah, okay. Better. These ones ha- still have the original Harlequin outfit. Um, and they don't have That's the not ter- better. That's creepier. <laughs> and they don't have the termite damage to the face. I would much rather have village people, Robert, than Harlequin Robert. <laughs> and and the uh, and those ones don't have the uh, the demons possessing them. That we know of. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Now Robert is Robert's gangster. I mean he he is like, you know, he's dollar signs whenever any of these haunted doll things come out because I would imagine Anytime an article online comes out about Robert, tourism goes up at the museum. Yeah. Do they realize what Robert represents to the, the community and the museum itself? Sure, sure. You know, people are people are well aware. Uh, the museum, it's this really cool history museum. It's got this great, funky Key West history. A lot of the objects in there have possessions too you know there's there's over a hundred spirits haunting the fort but before robert was there um it there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of people going through you know there might be a couple people a day going through the fort now he can get over a hundred visitors a day so he's definitely he's definitely made a mark on key west i'd say he's probably on equal footing with as you mentioned jimmy buffett uh, uh, he might even be a little ahead of Jimmy Buffett now, as far as being okay. Okay, okay that's a little cray cray. <laughs> bigger than Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, you know, with with the younger crowd coming to Key West, uh, a lot of them don't know who Jimmy Buffett is, and they know who Robert the Doll is. Um, yeah, but they'll eventually be parrot heads. I, I'd say the the one person who still is a little more famous than Robert, who spent time here, is Ernest Hemingway. <sighs> you know. You realize we just put Ernest Hemingway, Robert the Doll, and Jimmy Buffett in one sentence. Mm-hmm. There's something very wrong with that. <laughs> is Robert, does Robert ever want to go back to the artist's house, or is he happy in the museum? I kind of get a feeling that uh, he's happy wherever there's the attention. Before he was on display at the museum, we had a lot of activity at the artist house that we attributed to him. A lot of that activity changed once he went out on display at the museum. Uh, more activity started taking place there. And I think like any spirit, you know, w- when they want the energy, they, they want the energy that's being devoted to them. Uh, and when there's more of it happening at the fort, that's where he'll be uh, or she'll be or it will be. So and there's still activity at the artist house, but there's more of a feminine presence there. I think. The way things ended for Ann Otto, I believe she's back, and she's making sure that Gene Otto's spirit isn't welcome in the house. Uh, and then there's Minnie Otto, uh, who was Gene's mother, and she died in the house. Her presence is there. And then there's the little girl. So uh, it's a very feminine energy that people feel. And, and the little girl is part of Robert, but she's still felt around the house there, too. Uh, and then we have, of course, the other ones at the fort. Yeah, the bad one. Yeah, and all ones. Yeah, and I do believe spirits—they want energy. Any place that George Washington slept, people are going to say, "Yep, it's George Washington's ghost." I don't think his ghost is everywhere that he slept, though. So, but I think there's other spirits there. You know, there might there might be John Smith, somebody who nobody knows, 
And he might say, hey, well, they're talking about George Washington. I'm going to be him. I think they'll step in uh, to feed off that energy because it's not like spirits can just eat a sandwich when they want more energy. Right. That's they, why I never want to be a spirit. Yeah. But I want a sandwich. I want a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, so I, they rely on us. We're, you know, I mean, we're ghost sandwiches, really. And that's why I'm enjoying sandwiches, though. I got to ask this. I don't mean to cut you off, but there is this legend that people will leave candy and, and drugs for Robert. And he liked both of them. Is this true? No. No, ah, damn it. Yeah, I don't know who started the one about the about leaving drugs for him, but but yeah, I've found some I've found some buds that people have left, and with the candy, I don't know the actual source of that legend, but they said he likes peppermints, and I imagine that's because somebody said, well, he's an old doll, and peppermint was the old candy, but the fact is, when people leave candy out in an old fort in Florida. It brings out ants and bugs, yeah. and and that's that's dangerous for Robert. God, I, it was the wildest thing a couple of years ago. His his old case, he has a new case now, but his old case had some cracks in it, and people were leaving candy and people would stick money in there. And one night, right before the tour's getting rolling, and I've got the fort very dark, I walk back by Robert's room and I, to say, "Hey, Robert, all right, we're getting started in a few minutes here," and. I felt like I walked into like a like a spider web filled with ants and I kind of bumped into it and I and I go, whoa, and I back up and I pull out my flashlight to shine it on it. There was absolutely nothing there. I turned to the side and then I felt like I was bitten by a thousand red ants. I mean, it stung. It burned. My hair stood up, and I'm like, ah! And then it stopped, and my light went across Robert's case, and there was a single ant crawling up his case. Mm. And I hadn't seen that ant before this happened, and I'm thinking about that. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And I figured it might be some of the bad spirits trying to mess with me. And I talked to someone after the tour, and they said, I bet Robert's afraid of the ant, and he was just trying to tell you how he felt. Yeah, Robert's like, get this shit away from me. I'm going to make you feel it. We looked over at Robert. An ant crawled out of his face. And I thought, termites look like ants with wings. Termites destroyed his face. He's freaked out by the ants because of all the damage they did to him in the past. Yeah, I was just going to suggest that, that maybe he was scared of them because of what had happened to him with a termite. Yeah. Aw. Poor Robert. Oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, look who's here, Lauren. Billy. He's not a kitten anymore. Wow, look at that. Nice cat. This is my kitten, Billy Van. And he's gotten to be monstrous, as you can see, Lauren. He's very big now. And he just attacked me. <laughs> Robert loves cats. Fred, what does he think of your dogs? Uh, he, he's okay with dogs. He's okay with dogs. He likes cats more, though. Uh, Fred the cat was the mascot at the fort for I don't know, about 20, 25 years. Wow. And when Robert arrived, 
Fred used to just spend all of his time with Robert. The, the staff would look for Fred. He'd be back there with Robert, just kind of staring up at him like he was in a trance. Well, you know Robert would absolutely love that. Cleopatra. <laughs> What's that cat's name? This is Cleopatra. Nice. And she's the big sister of Billy, but she was sleeping. I just had to bring her on because Lauren loves Cleo. But it makes sense that Robert likes cats because children like cats. And um, also he's got Leo the lion, so it makes sense. So maybe that's why he suggested to somebody that he liked cats and he got him a lion. Yeah, and it's inter- that's a that's really interesting. And, you know, they celebrate Robert's birthday in October. They celebrate it the same day as, as Gene Otto's October 25th. But uh, I was looking looking at it, and you think Robert was probably manufactured a little bit before that, a couple months before. So I place him as being manufactured in August, which would make him not a Scorpio, but a Leo. And, uh, yeah, so the Leo has his lion. The lion's like no, cats. No. I know we've gone way over the time I promised you, but I have one more question about Robert before I let you go. Well, two. Then we're going to play our bonus round, which is the rapid-fire round. But the first question is, would you agree to come back on sometime? Because this has been amazing, and we could talk for hours on this. And I'd love to talk more about Haunted Key West in general. Yeah, that'd be great. And the question about Robert I have, have you or the museum or anybody else ever considered maybe performing an exorcism on Robert? There have been people who go into the museum and try to do things. The psychic who was down here visiting him said that the magic used to create that portal is so strong that the portal can't be closed. That's a big portal. Yeah, yeah. For me, I just try to nurture the child's spirit. Lauren, do you have any questions before we go to the rapid fire round? So if the portal can't be closed, if the child's spirit expressed at any point in the future that they wish to move on, um, would that be possible, or is that spirit now completely earthbound? I don't have a clue. I don't think anybody knows. I don't think anybody knows. You know, I'm I'm just going to keep trying to give the child more power because nobody's and, ever given that child energy. So. Uh, and she's uh, happy. She's happy as she can be. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's another thing. It's hard to say. I I think happier. I got a, I bought a book on Bahamian history from the time that her parents would have been there. And I'll read little bits of that. Uh, when I set up chairs, I'll try to teach her to count in Spanish and German. So, um, so you know, I'll do little things to try to give her, her energy. And during the tour, you know, by telling people about the child spirit, I'm hoping more and more people do that. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what it to see what happens. Sorry, how far can she count in, in Spanish and German now? Well, I set up 26 chairs. Um, I haven't gotten that far in German because I'm teaching myself that, too. Um, but but with, with Spanish, we've, we've gone up all the way a number of times. So. Um, and does she, is it just tapping that she communicates with you? or? I'll run, does- a, spirit, I run a spirit box sometimes. Uh, people will do pendulums in there. People do Ouija boards. 
So we'll use different methods of communication. Some people like to record EVPs. So we'll do a lot of different things. Oh, that's that's amazing. A Spanish lesson through a spirit box. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. All right, well, are you ready for the rapid fire round? Now, this is, a, this is the toughest part of the show. It's random questions that may or may not have anything to do with the topic where you just have to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Let's do it. All right, question number one. Pluto, is it a planet or not? Yes. Good answer. Two, as far as candy goes, circus peanuts, yay or nay? Yes. Yes. You're the first one who's agreed with me on that. Question number three. Better accent, Floridians or Lauren? Lauren. And the last and final question, the rapid fire round. Where can we get your book? It's available on Amazon. And give us the name of the book and the details. And it's called Robert. Reach out and see Robert. Robert the Doll, the true biography of Key West's haunted doll. And if anybody makes it to Key West, uh, they can go to ghostkeywest.com to book a ghost hunt with me. Uh, There's probably a dozen ghost tours in Key West. We're the only one that includes Robert the doll, where you actually get to see the doll. Uh, and we're, we've got a YouTube channel, and uh, it's the Robert the Doll Experience, where we're putting out some videos that are a little bit of a deeper dive into Robert the Doll. And uh, so we've got some pretty cool ones up there. We'll be doing new ones every every few weeks. Robert the Doll Experience. I thought you were going to say it's Robert doing Hendrix covers. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? That would be awesome. <laughs> but th- this has been incredible. Uh, Mr. Sloan, this is uh, such an honor and a privilege, and I can't wait to have you back on to talk more Haunted Key West. But it is about that time, so I'm going to say goodnight. And from Brian in Buffalo. And Lauren in Swansea. And the wonderful Haunted Key West. Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, don't talk about the bathroom, buddy. I've had a month away from that now.